And the answer that is given is that baptism and the Lord's Supper become effectual means of salvation, not from any virtue in them, or in him that doth administer them, but only by the blessing of Christ and the working of the Spirit in those that by faith receive them. It's a very good answer to that question, a very important one that we'll consider in detail in just a moment. And I'd like to read from 1 Peter 3, 18-22 as we begin. Hear now God's most holy word. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that, we, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which He went and proclaimed the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to Him. This is now the reading of God's most holy word. May He add His blessing to the preaching of it this afternoon. There is a doctrine out there that goes by the name baptismal regeneration. Have you guys ever heard of that doctrine? The doctrine of baptismal regeneration. This is the teaching that God regenerates sinners, that is to say makes them a spirit, spiritually alive, through the waters of baptism. So when do we become spiritually alive? Those who hold to the doctrine of baptismal regeneration will say it is at the moment of, of water baptism. This view must be rejected, for it contradicts what the Scriptures clearly teach, that God regenerates sinners by the power of His Holy Spirit, not because they believe or are baptized, but so that they will believe and be baptized. This is what the Scriptures clearly teach. Those who are dead in their trespasses and sins do not believe, brothers and sisters, for they are dead. They cannot. God must breathe spiritual life into them if they are to run to God through faith in Christ. We are naturally blind. God must give us eyes to see. We are naturally deaf. God must give us ears to hear. We are naturally rebellious. God must subdue us and call us to Himself by His Word and Spirit. So regeneration does not proceed from faith, much less from baptism. Instead, regeneration precedes faith. It is what makes it possible for us to, to believe. So regeneration, that new birth, comes before faith and before baptism. Again, we are able to believe only because God has awakened us to Himself. But this does not mean that the Spirit of God does not work any further within us after regeneration in faith. I think that is a big misunderstanding. When are we regenerated? Before or after faith? We must say, before we are born again, we are made alive so that we might see and thus enter the kingdom of heaven, as Jesus said to Nicodemus. But is the Spirit done with us then? Is that the only work the Spirit does to the elect? Does He just regenerate? No, the Spirit also seals and the Spirit also sanctifies. He continues to work within the Christian throughout the Christian life. But what about this passage in First Peter that I've just read, which says... 
Baptism now saves you. In fact, this passage that I chose to read says a lot of difficult things. I'm not going to be able to deal with it in detail. This isn't an exposition of 1 Peter. Um, this is a difficult passage for many reasons. But one thing that it says is, Baptism now saves you. Does Peter mean to say that we are saved by baptism? Is baptism the instrument by which we receive the gift of salvation? And certainly our answer must be no, for the Scriptures clearly teach in many other places that the instrument by which we receive salvation is what? Faith. It is faith. So what then does Peter mean when he says, Baptism now saves you? The short answer is this, and I will only give you a short answer this afternoon, for time is very limited. It must be said that baptism, rather, it may be said that baptism saves us because of what it is that baptism signifies. In water baptism, the believer makes a public profession of faith. By the way, notice he's already a believer. In baptism, the believer, the one who has believed upon Christ, makes a public profession of faith. It is not the baptism itself that saves, but it is the thing that baptism signifies, which saves. Water baptism signifies the washing away of our sins. And how is it that our sins are washed away? Not by the baptismal waters themselves, but by the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, which is received by faith. It is the blood of Christ which washes away of sins. That, that song that we sing, by the way, um, uh, about the fount filled with blood. You know, how sinners who are plunged underneath that stream are, are, are washed. I, I mean, it's kind of a disturbing song when you really think about it. The imagery there, it, it's powerful. But it's true. We must be washed, not with baptismal waters if we wish to have our sins washed away, but by the blood of Christ, which is applied to us um, as we believe upon Him. That is what 1 Peter 3.21 actually says, and I quote again, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, so when one is baptized in water, they are saying to the world, Jesus is Lord, and they are appealing to God for a good conscience. And what is their appeal rooted in? Not the baptismal water itself, but the finished work of Christ. In other words, Jesus is Lord, and I believe my sins are washed away. I'm appealing to God for a good conscience. And then we say, well, what is your hope in? Why do you think this is true of you? Uh, if, if the person points to the water and says, because of this water, we know they've gotten it all wrong, right? No, they must point to the blood of Christ, His life, death, burial, and resurrection. And the baptismal waters that they are entering into are a are a sign of, of, of all of that. They, they signify or symbolize the washing that is ours in Christ Jesus and received by faith. So it is not the baptismal water itself, but the finished work of Christ. Faith, is the, faith in Christ is the means by which we come to have the salvation that Christ earned for us. But it may be said that baptism saves us because baptism is a sign of all of that. Baptism is a sign of all of that. Now, as I've said, this is not an exposition of 1 Peter 3, 18-22. Much more could be said about this passage. Here we are considering the doctrine presented in Baptist Catechism 96. And I think this doctrine is very helpful 
as we seek to understand how the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper work. And, and, and I will remind you, what we, are, what we are dealing with here is systematic theology. You know what systematic theology does? It, it takes all that the Scriptures have to say on a given subject and kind of brings it together and condenses it for us in a nice package. And that's what catechisms do. They present the, the, the Christian faith in a systematic way. So this doctrine is built not just upon 1 Peter 3, but upon everything that the Scriptures have to say to us regarding sacraments and, and regarding baptism itself and the Lord's Supper. And I think what is said here is, is very helpful. Again, the question, how do baptism, baptism and the Lord's Supper become effectual means of salvation? We're, we're talking about the means of grace, the ordinary means of grace, the Word. Baptism and the Lord's Supper, prayer. Our, baptisms, our baptism and the Lord's Supper used by the Lord to bring salvation and its benefits to the elect of God, we say, of course, they are a means of salvation in much the same way that the Word of God is a means of salvation. If I were to say to you that we are saved by the Word of God, what would you think? We are saved by the Word of God. You would say that's true. I hope you would say that's true. There's truth in that statement, isn't there? Because this is how we come to be saved. We come to be saved by being exposed to the Word of God. The Word of God contains the message of, of, of salvation. We, we have all been saved by the Word of God. It is a means of grace. So, so that is a true statement. It's not a complete statement, but it is a true statement. If I say we are saved by the Word of God, do I mean that everyone who has ever heard the Scriptures is saved? Of course not. Not everyone who has read the Bible is saved. Not everyone who has sat under preaching is saved. Some sit under preaching for decades and they are not saved. Why? Because we do not say that these means of grace function in an automatic way. We are saved by the Word of God, but we must believe the Word of God. We must believe its message, the promises contained within it, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must receive the Word by faith for it to become an effectual means of salvation. We're saying something very similar about baptism and the Lord's Supper. You see, baptism saves you. Well, that's true in a sense, but it's not the baptismal waters themselves that save you. There have been plenty of people who've been baptized and are not saved. Why? Because they had no faith in their heart. They did not trust in Jesus. That is how we come to be saved, and that is what baptism signifies if it is received properly. I've gone on a tangent a little bit, but I think it was a good tangent. We need to see how these means of grace function. They do not save automatically. They do not save automatically. That is such an important concept here. Listen to the answer our catechism gives. It's most helpful. Baptism and the Lord's Supper, we're talking about both of those things, the two sacraments that Christ gave to His church, the two ordinances that He established. Baptism and the Lord's Supper become effectual means of salvation. And notice the word become. Again, they are not automatic means of salvation, as I've already said. Next we read, not from any virtue in them. So, baptism in the Lord's Supper, save and sanctify, not because there is power in the water itself, or in the bread and cup itself. There's nothing magical about these elements, but because of what they point to, namely Christ, crucified and risen, and the forgiveness of sins that is found in Him. These, this answer 
continues with these words, or in him that doth administer them. In other words, it is not the minister who makes these sacraments effective by his blessing. You should probably think of Rome here as I say this. It is the, the Roman teaching that uh, baptism, and, and particularly the Lord's Supper, uh, takes on a special kind of power as the priest uh, blesses the, the elements, you see. Something uh, very magical happens, they say, when the priest uh, blesses the, the elements. And, and our catechism is saying, no, it, it's, not, um, it's not in him that doth administer them. The, the, the minister does not give any power to these elements. Uh, by the way, it may be that you were baptized by a man who later showed himself to be a fraud, and it doesn't matter. You see, it doesn't matter. You may have been baptized by a man who showed himself to be a fraud. It doesn't matter. Did you have sincere faith when you were baptized? Were you baptized in water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Were you baptized before Christ's church? Then your, then your baptism should be considered valid, even if the minister showed himself with the passing of time to have false faith. It's not about the minister. It's about God and Christ and faith in Him. Next we find the phrase, but only by the blessing of Christ and the working of the Spirit in those that by faith receive them. So it is Christ who makes these sacraments an effective means of grace for His people. He uses these things to bring His people into the faith, to sanctify them and to keep them. And this He does by the working of the Holy Spirit. Baptismal water and the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper, they're common elements. They are made holy by the blessing of Christ through the working of the Holy Spirit. And we should approach these sacraments with reverence, therefore. The water is just water. There's nothing magical about the water. The bread is bread and the wine is wine. They are not transformed into anything else when the minister blesses them. But we know that the Spirit is present in a unique way when His people partake of these things. And so reverence is needed, therefore. We must be careful to approach in a worthy manner. And what is needed above all else to approach in a worthy manner? The answer is faith is needed. Faith in Christ is needed. It is a most unworthy thing to partake of these elements without faith, for then we are hypocrites. When we are baptized and when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we say through our actions, Jesus is Lord, and I believe. But if there is no true faith, then we contradict ourselves. Worse yet, we take God's name upon ourselves in a vain way. We claim that we are His, and that He is ours, when in fact, this is not true. So we are to come worthily, brothers and sisters. We are to be careful to give baptism only to those who make a credible profession of faith. And we are to come prepared to the Lord's table, lest there be found in any of us an unbelieving heart. And how do those who believe live? They strive to keep the commandments of God. So we must come worthily, believing and pursuing Christ with all that is in us. Lastly, let us come to the waters of baptism and to the bread and cup of the supper, knowing for certain that God does work through these things to distribute His grace to His people. We should come expecting to receive from Him, therefore. 
I think in our tradition, or at least the tradition that most of us have come out of, um, there is a tendency to come way too casually to the Lord's table and to baptism. It's important for us to emphasize that we are not saved by these things in and of themselves, but only through faith in Christ alone. Nevertheless, it is important for us to emphasize that these are a means of grace that God has determined to use. So those who profess faith in Christ should be baptized, and they should come to the waters of baptism with reverence. And those who have faith in Christ must join the church and therefore partake of the Lord's Supper on a regular basis. For God does work through these elements in a very special way. I think our reverence for these things has grown with the passing of time. Wouldn't you agree, brothers and sisters? I think it really has, and I'm glad for that. Um, How do baptism and the Lord's Supper become effectual means of salvation? The question, baptism and the Lord's Supper become effectual means of salvation, not from any virtue in them, or in Him that doth administer them, but only by the blessing of Christ and the working of the Spirit in those that by faith receive them. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for these ordinary means of grace that we have been considering. It is truly marvelous to think that you have established these things to be approached by your people regularly so that you might feed them, so that you might sanctify them further. Lord, help us to never grow complacent concerning assembling together with the church on the Lord's Day to hear the Word of God read and preached, to partake of the Lord's Supper, sometimes to witness baptisms and to pray. Uh, Father, as we come, uh, may we know for certain that we are communing with You, we are approaching You, and You commune with us, You feed us uh, by these means of grace that You have given us. Father, help us to be aware of this, to know this for certain, and to come with our hearts and minds appropriately prepared. Father, be with us, especially as we come to corporate prayer in just a moment. May we pray with faith in our hearts, knowing that you hear us and fully expecting that you will work through our prayers, O Lord. You are gracious and kind to us. We thank you for our salvation in Christ. We thank you that you have drawn us near to yourself. You are our Father in heaven. We come to you as your children and we ask you to work. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.